much. Let's just hope I don't actually uh, have any other surprise audio issues going about with this. And uh, so we are live, definitely. Uh, I'm always hesitant with uh, how it how it actually kicks off on the show. Uh, so hello, welcome to another episode of Loose Cannon. It's been it's actually been a while. We are now on the uh, the season of the Splicer. So this is the episode, the one about the season of the Splicer. We're gonna talk about first impressions and some of our favorite uh, lore items. We're gonna try to stay away from the books, uh, but I do actually have. I have a document of just like eight links, just so in case there was overlap. Uh, one of my items is an entry from a book, but it's because it ties into a series of items as well. And uh, yeah, that's some amazing lore this season. I'm I'm so excited to talk about it. It's it, it, I'm like <clears throat> I was I was double checking everything making sure I, I went over every item before the show and yeah. i was reading a certain item that we'll get to and i read it and i was like well that's something and i was like i can figure out what that is and i looked it up and i was like well now it doesn't make any now it doesn't make any sense like i thought i thought um it would have a more concrete answer and i was like looking at it and i was like wait a second this is a repeating sequence and I was like, a repeating sequence of these letters kind of stood out to me. And I was like, why did these letters look familiar? And I looked something else up, and sure enough, I figured it out. So, uh... I can't wait for this. Do you want to hold off on that and do your item of the week? Yeah, we'll do, uh, we'll do my lore card. Yeah, lore card? Yeah. Cool. Alright, it's on screen. Nice. Okay, so <clears throat> this week's lore card at Destiny Armory Defined was uh, an ornament for Xenophage, which is the big machine gun that everybody loves. It has a tiny Omar inside, but he's reincarnated as a bug. And Do you have this ornament? I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you have this ornament? No, I don't, and I can't wait for somebody to have it because I want to know if somebody reloads it, if... Omar has a cowboy hat. I was just going to say that because I was like, wait a second. Last time we had the, the dawning one and it gave him like a, a, a Santa hat, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. And now we got like the, the clearly text mechanica. It's got the, it's got the, uh, the, the logo right there, there on, the, yeah. on the drum. It's got the, the text mechanica text. It's got the last word arrow and, and diamond, the filigree. It's, it's very, very text. Oh my god, can yeah. you imagine if he's wearing a Stetson? I'd be so happy. <laughs> or at least, you know, a hat of some sort. <laughs> he's holding a Huckleberry inside. He's he's holding the last word inside. The bug has a miniature that, last word. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. A little Omar with the last word. Oh, he man. He has a little golden gun. Yes! So, uh... <laughs> so, uh before I start, I just want to say thematically, this one was really neat because the season of the Splicer is all about hackers and hacking and internet and, you know, just all kinds of cool wires and the grid and being plugged in. And this ornament, the name 
is about the opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty cool. And so if you kind of apply some of this logic towards Omar and the story around him, and if you don't know, there's a little bug inside that uh, basically represents Omar, one of the proto fire team members that died, uh, you know, when they all went down in the Hellmouth and tried to take out Crota or whatnot. So he's been reincarnated as a little buck, and he lives inside Xenophage now, and he screams maniacally whenever you kill Hive, because he loves it. And <laughs> so <laughs> the homesteader, as far as the ornament goes, the name. Uh, what does that mean? So homesteader is a person living off the land and providing shelter, power, and food for themselves. Uh, living off the grid lifestyle. Anyone who wants to free themselves from the dependency of public works, infrastructure, and or technology slash internet. An example would be like small rural or city farms. So the homesteading is someone who settles lawfully on a government land with the intent to acquire a title to it. Uh, homesteaders vary in values and reasons for homesteading and can be a diverse bunch. Um, in a nutshell, some are retired or, and invest in the infrastructure needed to fully support themselves on the land, and others might be just someone who's starting with nothing, setting up a scrappy stronghold to provide for themselves in the face of like economic hardships. Uh, so there are a lot of different reasons for being a homesteader. And some of the reasons might just be just you want to get away from it all and kind of live a more basic lifestyle and do all the things you need to do for yourself. And then some actually legitimately are put in that position or live in that position, uh, you know, and that's where they originate from. So it, it's kind of this current terminology used to refer to a lifestyle that's uh, like a greater self-sufficiency. It's the way to make agriculture, home preservation, and food um, for yourself. It, it, it gives you a way to make your own clothing, a way to make your own uh, garden, uh, lifestyle. You, know, you think about all the new technology we have. We can make our own energy from solar, uh, wind, all that kind of stuff. So there are a lot of people out there right now that are technically homesteaders. And they started, you know, living these rural type lives uh, to provide for themselves. But it, it's kind of become a blanket term and, and it's no longer just that specific definition. It's kind of a way to say anybody who just unplugs or becomes a homesteader or just kind of wants to get away from the dependency of uh, the city life. And so the term off the grid kind of originated from this as well. And it refers to not being connected to like an electrical grid or other utilities slash water, gas, sewer, all the things you can think of that you take for granted in your daily life at your home or your house or your apartment or whatever. Uh, and so this off the grid living allows for buildings and people to be self-sufficient and isolate. It's kind of a way to unplug from the grid. And so I just thought that was really funny. Because if you think about Homesteader, the ornament, and you think about Tex Mechanica and how they kind of, you know, embody this, I guess, this uh, fantasy life of being on the range or on the open plains and providing for yourself and being a homesteader or stronghold, you know, type of uh, 
governing body. And then you got Omar inside this gun, who's kind of <laughs> away from everything, providing for himself. So I just thought that was unique. But yeah, can you somebody get this ornament and show me if Omar has a cowboy hat on or not? Is it available this week? Because I, I mean, I might just go buy it now if it is. It is, but I don't have Xenophage. I never went and chased it. What? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the most Im- important guns, man. Like, I, I don't know. know how you don't have that gun. I just, at the time when Shadowkeep came out, I was so busy. Yeah, I get you. It, and, you know, it can be challenging to, to get things like that done. Yeah. I would probably just go buy it if I could. Mm. From the little kiosk. It's not yeah. In there. Yeah. I mean, it won't be in there until Shadowkeep gets uh, taken out. Yeah. How far in the quest are you? In, in that quest? Yeah, in the Xenophage quest. Like, not at all. Started. Yeah. Like, nothing. Probably I mean, you can knock that thing out in a day. I don't think it's actually um too challenging. It's I don't think anything, anything's time-gated. Well, you know, I, I probably should blame the Black Armory machine gun. What was it called? Uh, I know it, but I can't remember what it was called because basically I got Xenophage and didn't give a crap about it. <laughs> yeah, see, because I got that machine gun. I was like, why do I need any other sh- machine gun for? I got this one. And I'm not going to take up my exotic slot. For <laughs> I'm one of the That's some D1 thinking right there. <laughs> an, yeah, exotic, yeah. Uh, an exotic in my, my heavy slot? Oh, I don't need that. I'll pass on this Gallarhorn week two. God, dude. Had I had... You know what? Had I had enough materials to get that Gallahorn on week two, life would have been so different in D1. I got it pretty early. I was lucky. I was one of the, the lucky ones who, like, when I actually started going for it, I didn't. it didn't take too long for me to get it. But when I got it, uh, I, I was... The people I was with were unhappy that I got it. There, there was one yeah. person who was like, of course, the least deserving player gets Gallarhorn. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Dude, that same scenario happened to me. So the first time I went to the through the Vogue uh, raid, I mm-hmm. got my first exotic ever, which was Hardlight. Oh, nice. And and they were like, oh, cool, dude, you got an exotic. Everybody that I was with on the fire team. And then the second time I went through, was, which was literally the next week, mm-hmm. I got Gallahorn. And everybody that I was raiding with had done the raid like probably 30 times at that point and were just mad as hell. And it was it was. You know, of course, it was the final drop, but, you know, Hardlight was from the first chest, and then Gallahorn was from the final drop, and, you know, that was early <laughs> for for D1, so I had that gun, I had that machine, or uh, that um, rocket launcher pretty early, but yeah. I didn't, you know, it took so long to level it up, too. Yeah. Oh that that God. was, that's, so I, that's like the, uh, the catch with it. It's like, you get it, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to, oh, it sucks. <laughs> so i couldn't really use it because it would just it was like this big ball and chain yep. on everything i was trying to do so when i was trying to do my bounties when i was trying to level up i had this big gallahorn just oh my god making everything impossible it's like i don't even think it even had like intrinsic tracking right like even that was something like that you nothing, had yeah. <laughs> it was just here's this weak rocket launcher but it gets better <laughs> Right, right, right. And then when the Queen's Bounties came out, we were like, yes, we finally can get some Ascendant, what was it, Energy and uh, Ascendant, uh, 
something. Was it Ascendant? It was it was Shards and Energy, and then Crota's End had a different set, but it was still Shards and Energy. But yeah, yeah either way. Yeah. Uh, so I put a link in the Discord, and I want to talk about that really quick before we get into uh, the next big thing. So uh, open that up. If you please, um, so I'm gonna put that on screen. This the this uh, art station link was sent to me uh, by Baxter this morning. Baxter, for anyone listening or watching, is uh, the third host of the show here. He's just very busy with life, and so this image is called uh, King and Queen, and it's a a statue explorations done for the world of D2. And uh, as you can see, there's uh, more male looking and more female looking or maybe the reverse no they got they got yeah. the hips that'd be that'd be the female on the on the right uh statues and they look very similar to the veiled statues that we see in the pyramids and uh they kind of like fill a, a similar role and then there's actually a third one which even more so looks like the veiled statues and it has like this cool like chain hand thing not actually connected to the body here and so all three images look really cool and i just wanted to ask uh oh first i wanted to say what i I asked baxter if he could uh share some thoughts on it since he sent it to me and uh then i wanted to ask you what you thought of them uh but he said that they're interesting and they definitely look like they're related to the statues from the pyramid and the fact that they're put on art station probably means that they were rejected concepts but just because it was a rejected concept doesn't mean we can't see some form of it in the future. Right. So maybe so, we will see a male veiled statue as the one we've seen so far has all been female. So just analyzing the third one, which the, with, with the separated floating hands, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the texture on the cape is very reminiscent of the armor and the darkness. Yeah. Ships. Yeah, yeah, it looks so like a uh, ruinous effigy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of got that whole that that whole thing going on for it. And then, so like the one thing that stands out that's definitely different from the the veiled statues is these large Elizabethan collars that are wrapped around their their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but yeah, that would be very like stately or king and queen like. Mm-hmm. from like you know european because i mean it's, it's only a matter of time before we eventually see a new enemy race right like we have to see something right. new with the cabal effectively being on our side and the, the elixir effectively being on our side there's the hive and there's the vex and there's the taken and i mean you can't have a major cabal expansion anymore because they're on our side now unless they want to deviate from being teamed up with us but that doesn't seem likely because the next threat is hive so i mean okay so also at the base of the statue mm -hmm. do you remember the concept art um the first set base yeah, so the base, the base, the foot basing on each one, because they look like chess pieces. I'm just yeah. going to say that because yeah, obviously agree. the grid laid out below is like, you know, checkerboard. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the base foot plate looking thing reminds me of 
the weird shapes on that concept art that we saw a while back where it's it's pretty much it's got a little bit of green and it's got a lot of this black in it but it's it looks like it would be i know what you mean deck pyramid ship and in the background you can see the silhouette of another pyramid ship kind of Mm -hmm. separating and then the center statue right there on the side there's those huge they look like helmets or faces that are on the ominous orb that's in the middle. And so mm-hmm. these face plates on these statues are reminiscent of that shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's a very uh, popular one. I wish I had it. I wish I had it handy uh, so I could put it up. That actually, that concept art actually has the current veiled statues on that pyramid ship. And above them is a sphere that is identical to the traveler's spherical design with the lines going through it because the traveler has yeah. like circles going through it and stuff. <clears throat> but yeah. so I thought that when he sent me this art station link, I thought it was very cool, very uh, intriguing. And I really hope we see uh, something like that uh, soon. You know, the, the sooner the better. The more enemies we, the more unique enemies that we have to fight that make us change how we play the better. That's always a good thing to have. That would be pretty awesome. Um, so these, yeah, these statues are pretty cool. Um, like the female figures, John face jets out more. Mm-hmm. The males was more of like a, a skull underneath and then females chin and mouth kind of jet out more almost canine. Yeah. Crazy, yeah, yeah, and then the and then the um, the staff that they're holding very much looks like a piece of that uh, center monolith thingy on the on the ship in that concept art I'm trying to tell you about. So, yeah, holy crap! Could you imagine if these were like rendered in in the game? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, it doesn't even need to be exactly this. It's just something just something conceptually yeah. this, you know, where like. I know it kind of it kind of screwed themselves because they already have the hive filling the king queen knight uh, hierarchy. Where this is very clearly king queen and knight, the the third option on the screen now, or king and queen. Um, so it is a little unfortunate there, but I would love to see like something that has like where the king and the queen aren't the big bosses. The king and the queen are just like strong you know not the top 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 absolute top tier or except but they're like they're just like barons in the fallen you know like they're rare but you still see them right yeah i mean <clears throat> well and even if they were just um like placeholders for some enemy race later to come uh it would be cool to just see them somewhere <laughs> in the game mm-hmm. uh Okay. I could, I couldn't imagine. Anyway, that would be cool. Okay. So, uh, with that out of the way, let's get into the thing that I was so excited for when I found this morning. So, as I said, I was going through, and I'm just going to actually put it on the screen again, uh, really take advantage of this. I was going through the items, and I found the item, the decide, and I was just, you know, reading everything. And so this says, encoded uh, private ping via HDN proxy router. Ikora, I thought you would want to see this. It presents as binary in our systems, but something is splicing hashes in. 
I pulled it from the tower's Nexus ISO feed. ISO feed? I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's all over future war cult networks and elsewhere. Elsewhere. So this is the binary, and it's got these hashes in it. And basically what I did was I, I just took all the hashes out. Like, I did a find replace, and I just replaced them with with spaces. And Anora uh, yeah. goes on to say, My guess is, is the lettering indicates some kind of audible tone code pattern, which is a, a clue. Uh, but I haven't listened to it. So when you plug that into a binary converter, you get a uh, little c, big E, big F, big D, big D, big D, big E, big A. And that repeats like several times. And I was like, that's so like, is this like hexadecimal? Like what, what is this actually looking at? And then I thought, well, what is Savathun's song? And Savathun's song uh, is C E F D B D E A. C E F D B D E A. So Savathun's song has actually hacked into the Future War Cult networks. So that means all their information <laughs> is now like subject to be entirely wrong, which is yeah. huge right now because Lakshmi is like going hard against Mithrax. And she's like, I've seen the future and the fallen are against right. us and they're going to cause the downfall of the city and, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like everything that she is basing her information off of is corrupted by Savathun's song. Is yo, dude? Can you believe that? Um, I was I I was losing my shit when I saw that. I I I I just I didn't know how to react. I was just so amazed, and so I actually have um <clears throat> I have another one handy here, and I'll throw that on screen because it's just a lot of text. Uh, the stochastic variable. So the first weapon was the decide, which is a FWC weapon. This is stochastic variable. It's another FWC weapon. And so this is a series of predictions. And so they, they progress and it's like Elixney quarter. It's always to do with the Elixney. They're doing things, uh, the towers and ruins. And then the third one's an interesting one. It stands out a bit more. The last city radioactive dust. Dark growths in the ruins, which kind of sounds like the uh, uh, the lichen that we've seen yep. on uh, yep. Presage. And lastly, mutated ghosts. In that, yeah. that third prediction, it, she calls out mutated ghosts and she says, where is the traveler mutated ghosts? And it's like, that's exciting just right off the bat. If that has any potential of being true. And then, you know, it keeps moving down. Elixney Quarter, The Endless Night, A Crackling Portal, Mithrax Firing Widely, The Cult Flees, Ikora Triumphant, uh, The Bots of Ruin, Bots of District, The Crackling Portal, Fallen Flee, FDBC Banners, Zavala is Gone, Mithrax on Trial, Lakshmi 2 looks over the crowd. And so it starts Lakshmi 2, Faction Head, Exo, Politician, and it ends Lakshmi 2, Head of State, Exo, Prophet, Savior. Savathun is saying, I know what you want. You can get what you want, but you have to go against the fallen to get it. You have to protect the city from the fallen. You have to prevent this from happening, and you will become the prophet, the head of state, the savior of the city. So he, she's she's, she's being played. To appeal and manipulate to her. Wow. Lakshmi is being played. I 
I could not believe it when I saw it. I was just like, I lost my mind. I was, you know, it's funny you bring up that um, shotgun. It's the deicide. Oh, is it? Because it, yeah, it's it. Uh, it was one of the early oh, weapons yes it is. I had. I mm-hmm. had uh, defined a long time ago, and back then, um, all I had was you know just the basic definition, which is it's the killer of a god. The act of killing a divine being or a symbolic substitute for a, of such being, it's the active rejection of a promoted being as a god. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like this idea that um, somebody says, "Okay, well, this is a god," and then you say no, and then you basically go against. It's almost it's almost iconoclastic if you think about mm-hmm. um, if you think about like how Ikora fought the whole idea of you know the travel of being the savior when she was a little bit young Ikora and then she kind of grew up in the crucible and became badass Ikora that she is now mm-hmm. well, it's this idea that you're kind of rejecting what everyone is believing to be the savior and god of everything so it's almost fitting <laughs> if if what you're saying is true that this shotgun be a point to Lakshmi because it is very much a flavor text of her own in that gun, which is believe in war and nothing else, mm-hmm. too. And then you kind of think about you think about Lakshmi too and her inner circle and how they were obsessed with, you know, the the nature of time, fate, and existence of the mm-hmm. timeline. Could this be because, like, you know, that's the whole thing about future war cult, right? Yeah, yeah. They they that, they understand that war is inevitable and they're they're gonna fight yeah. it you know like all that nonsense and yeah. it's like yeah but the second she sees that she could become the head of state she's like yeah you know war is inevitable but I'm gonna become the head of state <laughs> like, like <laughs> what the hell here. actually <laughs> while I'm here I might take your offer and just go ahead and because nobody's gonna listen to me I'm gonna take yeah because there's a dialogue in game too where she's basically like mm-hmm. just now where she says. You know what? I'm sick and tired of you not listening to me. Now's not the time. I was whispering for so long. Now I'm not gonna. Now yeah. everyone's gonna hear me. That's what yeah. she says. Yeah, she says. That's uh, what she just said. People laughed at me when I whispered about the Red War, and yeah. I, I'm done. I'm done whispering now. She's like, she's like planning to just go into the Batsa ruins and start killing Fallen just because mm. she thinks it will save the day. She's being played. It's dangerous. That is freaky. So maybe she, maybe okay. Let's let's back up a second. What could potentially be the purpose of Savathun manipulating that particular scenario? And the only thing I can think of would be Savathun recognizes the fallen as another entity that has once been aligned with the Traveler and used the light. And if mm-hmm. they combine forces with uh, the Guardians, that would be a threat that she can't afford to happen. To got to stop the fallen from getting back to their good graces with the traveler and us see i think it's i think it's i think it's actually a little bit more complicated than that so uh savathun is basically the reason that zivu actually went to torah bottle right uh because like she was the one that like i think she actually called zivu and she was like hey zivu look at uh umunarath performing like this ritual for you yeah like, hey, <laughs> yeah she called her up and she's like hey zivo can you come check out Torah bottle it's a pretty neat place and so then zivo wrath went to Torah bottle and destroyed the place and it was because of that action that domino that 
Keitel learned not to be like all the other cabals. She's like, if I continue doing what everyone else does, the cabal will just go extinct. So she changed her strategy. She's like, I need to team up with the Guardians. I need to use the Guardians to fight Zevo Arath. But all the while, it's really Savathun who's doing that. And so now we have this like shaky alliance with with Keitel. And now also we have a shaky alliance with the Elixni. So we have the Cabal and we have the Elixni. And we're all like kind of like close together. And it feels like that's that's her that's her goal. She's like, I'm gonna get them all together and I'm just gonna strike once and and take them all out in one move. Because if if she enters like a war of attrition with the Guardians and the Elixni and the Cabal and they're they're yeah, they're attacking hard. her from three angles, yeah. she's gonna lose, right? But if she right. they're if they're uh, single force she thinks she has a better chance and yeah and that was kind of my point is if she thinks that somehow we can uh you know <laughs> go go get gadget you know freaking traveler or mm-hmm. you know captain planet let's combine our powers and then <laughs> and it actually makes me wonder like if the crown of sorrow wasn't even supposed to be a trap like what if it was supposed to be Callus figured it out and Callus used it with the anomaly and it like it kind of like because the presage missions did in my opinion a great deal to build like a relationship with Keitel whereas season of the chosen there was no relationship building with Keitel it was like we're gonna fight Keitel we're gonna take her out and then she's like "Eh, I guess we'll be teammates it's fine but well, it was in... it, like, cause it, okay, so, <laughs> oh, so, uh, Callus and the, okay, because there was an under, there was a whole story that was happening underneath the surface of the entire of the Chosen, the season of the Chosen, which okay. was the Presage mission, which was all about Callus mm-hmm. uh, basically falling to, you know, the Sabbath and trickery and the, using the, the helm or the crown of sorrow, sorry, mm-hmm. crown mm-hmm. of sorrow, and then becoming his gelatinous blob in his sarcophagus, you know, mm-hmm. and this is his new form, which whenever, well, he was happened, the blob before the crown. Exactly. Okay. It had happened when it had happened, but we had learned it had happened in the chosen. And so this idea that Sabbath way back then was somehow uh, involved with that, Kind of makes you think, okay, so Keitel learning about it and knowing I'm not going to go down that road. Mm-hmm. And now she's here aligned with us mm-hmm. because she respects us now for fighting so hard against her, I guess. <laughs> and now we have the fallen in Mithrax. So, um, so that's, that's pretty much, okay. So there's, that's pretty much it. I mean, cause yeah. the only other entities that could, could potentially be on a side would be they don't have the capacity of being aligned with guardians so we've got cabal and fallen and guardians and then you've got vex hive and whatever the hell the darkness is which would be like darkness are anti-guardians right because they're basically the central form that helps combine the other two lessers right and mm-hmm. you think about us as being better than everyone else 
I'm just trying to put it in a ni- nice little package. Like, how could that possibly, you know, happen? Yeah. The Vex don't have any, uh, you know, the Vex are a hive mind structure almost. And then the Hive are almost a hive mind structure uh, of sorts. And But they're both being driven by the darkness we know. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, not all of the Vex, though. Well, you know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. the Vex were a part of the reason why exos happen and so there's like a back channel for savathun to possibly be incorporated in that whole entire theme mm-hmm. yeah i get you so now you've got so now you've got three against three yeah somewhere and we and we know there are bad guardians out there that aren't even you know part of the vanguard so like even in our own race there are Defectors or, or defectors or uh, you know, bad yeah. Guys. I mean, Drifter, for yeah. example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's clearly not on our side. Yeah, God, dude. And uh, so, speaking of the Drifter, have you seen the SMG from this season called Borrowed Time? Yes, and I love the whole story about it, and I keep referencing it, and I wish people would listen to me. <laughs> Borrowed time is a good one. Uh, so Borrowed Time is an SMG here. It's on screen, and I guess this is the new seasonal uh, gambit drop, because like last season we got the the hand cannon and the fusion rifle, right? Yeah, hand cannon was... Um... And that was that was the one that everyone was going for. And so this season we have this SMG, and it's an interesting one because you know now the Elixir are in the city, Drifter's sitting down at a bar or whatever, and Elixir can just come into the bar easily. He doesn't have to actually leave the city to be <laughs> hanging out with Elixir now. And so he <laughs> he's talking to the Elixir, and uh, there's a fight going on in the background. And you have this this scenario where he he asks the Elixni, uh if they if they had ever eaten children, and so it's right here. Uh, Drifter leaned in closer, his voice gravelly. Nasty rumor even says you guys chomped on the occasional toddler. The Elixni pushed his chair back and lunged to his feet as the crowd gasped. Drifter stood his ground, somehow staring down the Elixni that was a full meter taller than him. Never the young, the Elixni boomed. Never. Drifter nodded, but the rest. And so it it goes on to to uh, talk about how, you know, Elixni were hungry. And they don't hunt down children. They're not monsters. But when they did kill a guardian, yeah, meat is meat, yeah. right? Yeah, meat is meat is what he said. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so... You should read it right there in that part because that's a good that's a good like a little back and forth. Oh, so he the, says the, the yeah, go for it. Okay, so <laughs> so when the big big elixir spoke part right here, he yeah. says his voice was deep and steady. We had confusions with your people. We were self supply, and we were as we was all supply. He shrugged. <laughs> it's kind of like a Viking speaking. He mm-hmm. said, we learned and we compensated. And then Drifter nodded. Makes sense for Seth Lynn in a, a new place. Ain't a soul here who hasn't checked 
their neighbor's tool shed for spare SMG parts. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, a voice spoke, hey, I'm missing an SMG, but the drifter held up his hand. Yeah. He's like, shut up. He's like, don't talk back there. And then he's, and then, and then, so he goes, I don't want to hear they caught any blame for the big night. Swear, it's like some folks' brains just wilt in the dark. I know Mithrax is working with the Vanguard to figure out this whole Vex thing, he said. The Lixney seemed to relax a bit, but Drifter held up a finger. I do have one question of my own, he said. We've been fighting for a long time. This is my horrible drifter uh, accent, by the way. Your folk and mine, that's no secret. Plenty of blood spilled on both sides over the years. But I hear some stories of you fellows from the old days caught the hunger. Yeah. Right? Okay, so the big elixir shifted tensely in his seat as the crowd, crowd presses in. And drifter leaned in closer, his voice gravelly. Yeah. Nasty rumor even says, you guys chomped on the occasional toddler. And so this is when the Alexney jumps up basically out of his chair and the crowd gasps and Drifter stood his ground and stared him down. And then the Alexney says, never you're young. The Alexney boomed, never. Drifter nodded. But the rest, you know, you can just feel it, right? The tension in the room. Everybody's waiting yeah. for a big brawl. So the Alexney looked at the crowd, then brought his massive head close to Drifter. His voice was steady. We old ones. We who have been fighting since the beginning. Yes, we sometimes took your dead fighters so we could live. It was war, he said, and poked the drifter in the chest, basically, with the clawed finger. And you're made of meat. Drifter smiled. I hear you, brother, he said, and looked at the Glixie's claw. Hell, you point that thing at me. All I can think is how good it would taste with garlic butter. Mmm. He leaned toward the looming creature and ran his tongue over his clapped lips, chapped lips. The Lixney sized up the tiny man, then dropped his shoulders. But as I say, that was long ago. We, were we are house light now, and forevermore, we have peace with your people. So Drifter reached up and patted the Lixney's chest. That's right, he said, and the Lixney sat down. Though it don't erase the bad old days, he said as he turned to the crowd, that don't mean it's time to bring them back. And so he's basically diffusing the crowd as, mm -hmm. you know, the crowd was there. So you got to wonder, like, what was the drifter's intent in this whole entire situation? Because he knows he's got this bar room full of people that are just freaked out by this elixir's presence sitting there. And so the drifter goes over there and makes a scene to kind of settle everybody down. Mm -hmm. so he's got an agenda and so this is the part that that tripped me out so he says <laughs> he says but this this satisfied grumble rose from the crowd because you know there's no fight going to happen now right mm -hmm. the shrugged misrax says misrax says we are never to eat people again he says quietly drifter nodded yeah zavala tells me the same damn thing what yeah I remember when uh what was it? So when season of season of the outlaw, season of the forge, season of the drifter and it was like in season of the forge we 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 were starting to get like some more drifter quotes and things because he had just come the season before in season of the outlaw and forsaken. And I was like does drifter eat people? 
and like before it was just like yes he eats literally yes, he everything literally eats whatever he can eat yeah and i was i was just like drifter drifter is a cannibal i'm not he's i'm a, not comfortable with that <laughs> like he's an insatiable he's just an insatiable guardian who will just eat anything that he can eat mm-hmm. he didn't care dude was wearing hive chitin <laughs> i mean i think we all do uh, so I wanted to, to, to comment, you said this is your, your terrible drifter impersonation. Your terrible drifter yeah. impersonation just sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I have no idea how to pronounce that name, but someone in chat said, why does Rhino's Elixney impression sound like a German Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't keep up with it either. I was really hoping you would. I, uh... I was having too much fun uh, getting wrapped up in my own self. Yeah. Dude, the, the, uh, I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine what the voice actors have to go through when they do the Elixney voices because there's so many clicks and pauses. And, uh, do they do it themselves or do you think that's, like, added? Or are they just, like, okay, like, pause for clicking? No, they, they showed um, the voice actor for Varix. And oh, really? He did all of that in his voice, most of it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that they they adjust it like to, sure. to get it to get it to the right tone and pitch and everything. But like he yeah. he actually does the clicking. That's that is surprising. I would not have expected that. I can't. Well, okay, <laughs> just to finish off the dumb lore entry. So the elixir burst into coughing laughter. The drifter laughed back, picked up his gun from the table, and waved the crowd away as he pulled over an empty seat. Now make some room, he said. These fellas were just about to lose the cards. So he's gonna sit there and play cards with the with the fallen. You know, I mean, like that's nice, but like, it's it's kind of crazy that like that's that's what he does. It's like, er, like how you said, everyone's like expecting this big fight to break out, and they're gasping, they're really intent on the conversation, and basically, they just talk about eating people. They're just like yeah. both like, man, I wish we could still eat people. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? And then everyone's just like, okay, well, I don't really want to fight anymore. And then Drifter's just like pointing gun and everyone yeah. like, now get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Well, okay, so it's a great scene because it shows a lot of things. One, it shows Drifter's methodology on how to break the tension in a room by just being the Drifter. Yeah. Because he knows, he recognizes and knows, hey, we have to be allies with the Fallen. So to keep people from screwing things up for himself, because, you know, he's only interested in his own crap, he's going to go in there and basically shout at the elephant sitting in the room, literally, and Mm -hmm. kind of point out the big thing that everybody's so pissed off about Mm -hmm. and make it so where everybody has to be face to face with the thing that they're all mad about and get over it real quick. Because Drifter's got some Drifter's got some Drifter to be doing, you know, real soon. So he's got to. He's got something he wants. And so that's what I think the undercurrent of this lore entry is, is saying. Because Drifter's going to sit down and play cards with him. He wants something. Yeah, he, he's he's bridging a gap. He's he's definitely, he's he's got an agenda. Whatever that is. And I'm There's sure we'll find really out eventually. Good. There's another really good lore entry in there too. And so like this whole season is basically trying to show that the Fallen are okay. And so there's a lot of stories that have popped up in this uh, season about the fallen trying to fit in 
Mm-hmm. And and so that's what Bundy is trying to do right now is give you kind of a backstory to the fallen and make you feel a little bit more empathy and compassion who to their, you know, to their thing, to what they are. I mean, okay. there's a good story in here about uh, fallen trying to eat ramen at a ramen shop. That's uh, one of the ones I have here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I didn't get much. I didn't sleep well last night. Uh, do you want to talk about that fallen ramen shop one? Because that's actually not where it begins. You go where you want to go next. I'm I'm down. You okay. So, uh, like I said, we we're going to try to avoid talking about books, but this first entry here, uh, from beneath the endless night, uh, entry three gifts from the shore. It is an entry uh, following Amanda and St. 14 as they're receiving packages uh, from an elixir. And so it's like this little drag uh, from the House of Light. And uh, he has a badge on his chest that's uh, a lanyard on his chest that reads temporary. And so uh, he's bringing in this, this package and it's just got a whole bunch of like random things, but they're like super valuable, like old world elixir, like Reese things, like things that are like lost to time yeah, yeah. and spider just gave it to them. And it's like, why the hell would spider do that? And they're looking at this list and it's like all these things that no one even knows what they are. Like that's how old they are. And then the list also doesn't seem to know what they are either. It just it just kind of talks about them vaguely. It's like, yeah, this is this is valuable. Uh, look at this listing. Amanda continued. This item says best osmosis filters hidden in his bottom drawer. This item is just a row of question marks. Here's one listed as a clock thing. This line says noisy cube smells bad, but everybody likes it. And what's with this signature? And uh, so Amanda squinted at the shape, scrawled at the bottom of the form. It's a ship, she guessed, handing the paper to Saint. The Titan turned his head, and he looked at the drawing. Aha, he, he cried, slapped the paper with the back of his hand. Look, is Bird. Amanda looked again, and at, looked again at the uneven charcoal lines and could make out the wobbly black bird. She let out a long breath and shook her head. Awful artist, he, she said, but I guess he's an all right guy. And suddenly she was smiling. Uh, so you have this dreg. This is the important bit here. You have this dreg who has the lanyard that reads temporary. And the dreg is like, isn't Spider such a, 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 a great, great guy? Do all humans here serve Spider Kel? And Amanda goes, serve Spider? Spider's nothing but a... And the five spirited words that followed were replete with hard consonants. And so those are the like, the two takeaways there that that clue you in to how this story continues, which is the, the ramen shop one that you mentioned from the, uh, what is that, a uh, uh, Scott Rifle? Yeah. Uh, Chroma Rush. And oh, that's so... That's an auto rifle. I can never t- these weapons, man. They, like their yeah, designs are really good because I don't know what the hell they are when I look yeah. at them. Yeah. Where where do the bullets even go in this? Like, how do you reload that? It it's freaking digital wires. That's all it is. Oh my god. I gotta digital I gotta get these. Come from nowhere. I haven't gotten a single like interesting weapon yet. 
I just the, down, you know, the, the magazine downloads bullets and then makes sense. Streams them, streams them across the chain. <laughs> <laughs> you you wouldn't download a magazine. <laughs> uh but so then uh going on to the ramen shop so this is the same elixir and we we learn that because of how this story ends and basically the the drag uh goes into the ramen shop and says one item ramen soup the elixir croaked sittedly uh stiltedly please and so the ramen shop guy is like about it because it's like here's this elixir where humans are you know we don't get along and everyone's like staring at the situation unfold because he's the elixir just a, a good guy you know he's not doing anything wrong he just wants some ramen he's like it smells delicious why wouldn't i want some and uh the the shop owner's like how spicy zero to five stars and the elixir says spicy five stars holding up one hand with three claws splayed and the other and another with two and he goes <laughs> May I receive additional dead flesh, please? Which it's like. <laughs> you want some more pork belly? Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong in what you're asking for, but if I was, in this case, uh, the guy's name is Maurice. If I was Maurice, I'd be like, yes, but for future reference, you can call it pork. <laughs> so no one is freaking out when you ask for he dead flesh. Correct him, though, because he's an elixir. He's like, probably a little bit afraid. But it's like. That's just like, hey, like, like, listen, man, I appreciate that you're trying to learn a language, but the word you're looking for is pork, right? Yeah, not dead flesh. Not dead flesh. Like, just, just, just help, just help him out. Help him out a little. He's a good guy. He just wants some ramen. You can't, you can't be mad at someone for just wanting ramen. <laughs> but so, he orders his ramen with extra dead flesh, uh, very spicy, and uh, he, he's handed the bowl, he's handed the spoon, he's handed the chopsticks, and he asks, what's, what is the protocol? And Maurice, like, kind of mimes uh, using the, the chopsticks to eat the noodles and the pork and the egg, and then to use the, the spoon to drink the broth. And he goes, or you could just drink the broth from the bowl itself, and he, like, mimes picking it up. And so uh, the elixir basically just is like, I can't figure out chopsticks. I'm just going to take this fucking bowl. And he just starts drinking the ramen down, which, you know, that, that's how he's got to do it. That's how he's got to do it. I'm not going to judge him on that. And uh, it, it comes well, to this. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say the funny thing in there is he says, um, <laughs> he says, well, you eat the noodles and the pork and egg with and then the elixir says egg and says and he enjoyed the unfamiliar word <laughs> so and he goes uh yeah egg <laughs> yeah that's yeah yeah that's that's a good point yeah because he'd never heard the word egg before so it's like oh yes new word uh-huh. egg i like it yeah and uh so he just he just gulps it down uh, and finally, the elixir lowered the empty bowl. It breathed in as the blue mist resumed its thin spray. It looked toward Maurice. I tasted all of it, it said with deep sac- satisfaction. I am very thankful. Maurice's grin turned into a tentative smile. Glad you enjoyed it. The elixir stood up and held out what looked like a small model of the traveler. It glowed as it floated in the elixir's palm. Compensation, it said. Maurice reached to take the treasure, then drew his hand back and said... Uh, he says, for new customers, there is no charge. He said, no compensation. Thank you for coming in, which is which is nice. You know, obviously he's saying yeah, that yeah, because yeah. it's like, that's not money, but it's yeah, nice. Exactly. 
<laughs> it's nice that he's, he's like, like oh, what do you got there baby with uh yeah you know what don't worry about it it's free yeah <laughs> and uh so the elixir cocked its head then clucked and the model vanished beneath the, the folds of its cloak it smiled at maurice and he goes you it said then cleared its throat with a rumble and so as i mentioned in the last entry uh it said that spider kell was very kind and amanda responded with five spirited words that were yeah. replete with hard consonants and when he's like what does that mean she's like oh it means he's very kind <laughs> so she just sent this drag out with swears swear words yeah. meaning very yeah. kind and so it says U-R-A and the five-spirited words that followed were replete with hard consonants. In the confused silence that followed, the Elixni nodded graciously, then walked through the crowd outside and deeper into the city. And I really wish that was the end of the story. Nope. But it isn't, because it's not a good story. It's a very sad story. Yeah. And, but it's uh, kind of funny. I, how can you laugh at the end of this? I know, but it's still kind of funny. I so I like I like I like uh, tragedy and comedy wrapped together because it's kind of like yeah. I mean, uh, I do too, but this is too much. Makes the humor much funnier though. Like you know, this is you know this is not going to end well for the guy or or whatever. And then, it could end well right there, and everyone going to be like, "That was weird." That could have been the tragedy and the comedy. The tragedy being he just swore at this ramen shop yeah. guy, yeah. but they took it farther. Like, like I think the best balance was that previous one where Drifter is basically like, yeah, I used to eat people too, but Zavala says I can't. Like, that's that's the perfect balance. This is just depressing uh, how this ends. But so the third piece here. And I've looked, I cannot find anything that sounds like it completes or continues the story, but it is left open-ended. So it isn't the end. We can get more. We just don't seem to have more. Uh, it comes from Shattered Cipher, which is a machine gun. These, you can still tell very clearly what they are. Uh, yeah. And basically, it is... Uh... <clears throat> Sorry, something in my throat there. Uh, a child is coming home, and she she's notices a uh, broken windows and abandoned building. Checked her data pad coordinates again. She'd never been to this corner of the city before, and she's like calling out for her mom. And uh, she notices like in in the in the room, it smells like uh, chemicals. There's a plastic tarp. Uh, there's duffel bags on the table. There's a uh, a signal jammer blinking orange. Uh, an EXO is waste was waist deep in rebar lined fracture in the floor and he says tight fit he grunted as he wriggled it in his way deeper into the gap but i'm guessing he didn't get far i'll find him he vanished into the hole what's going on helena asked don't ask questions her mother said as she struggled to a damp strand of blonde hair out of her face we need to get moving she nodded toward the far corner of the room you take that pile helena crossed her arms warily Mom, what are you doing out here? I don't have time to talk about this now, her mother snapped. You don't know what's going on. You didn't see them looking through the windows. You didn't hear what this one said in the ramen shop. For the first time, her mother looked up. Dangerous intensity burned in her eyes. They're using the dark to blind us. We're not going to let it happen. Now help me. Helena walked slowly 
to the trash pile in the corner. Towels soaked with blue fluid, rubbery tubes, strange scraps of metal. A laminated card that read temporary. Her voice was small. Mama, what did you do? Yep. That's very upsetting. Yeah. Well, and, and okay, so, and I hate to say it, but, you know, like, the the climate and the tension around the world at this mm-hmm. given point in time is, you know, inspiration for a lot of the stories that happen. Yeah. In game. And so it's just a, it's just a nice way to say, you know, at the root of all of the conflict and disagreement and people not having, you know, basic understanding of one another, shit happens. And people go off the rails because they're running around with misinformation about one another and popping shots at each other when probably should just take a few seconds to get to know one another. It makes so me wonder it makes me wonder if uh Helena's mother is actually like a part of the future war cult. Because it it, it sounds like they were blaming the Elixni for the night, whereas the Elixni are there to fix the eternal night. They're not the cause of it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, back up to borrow time. That's like the very beginning of that whole thing was, oh, yeah, we didn't do this, guys. They're not the reason. The yeah. Elixir didn't make the nightfall happen. But that's what everybody's kind of assuming is because, oh, the Elixir are here and it's, you know, permanent night. So it must be them, right? Because mm-hmm. not everybody out there has the full picture or the big the picture and uh, they're not really informed yet. So, so unfortunately, bad stuff happens. Because people are thinking things that aren't true, which could be foreshadowing for Lakshmi. Mm. But yeah, that's that's something. So all the future war cult weapons that are showing back up have lore entries now, or a lot of them do. Yeah, yeah. They, so all the, like many of the reprised weapons have that, and I really hope that's a theme that continues. Because it's like, it might be Future War Cult this season, but maybe next season's Dead Orbit or New Monarchy, you know? And then we can get even more on them. So, you know, like, something that stuck out to me is when the spider didn't think a lot of those artifacts and old trinkets were worth anything. But also, Spider, way back when in Forsaken, had the lore entry about how he appreciates and values... um, art and things from our past more than anything else like he is he is obsessed with our culture and stuff and like he has uh he has what are the three paintings he has starry night oh yeah yeah and he has uh the mona lisa and he has what would took me a while to figure out but it's um what is her name uh i can't remember the artist anyways it's the it's the um, famous art with the cow skull that looks like it's hovering over what he calls waterfalls, which is not really waterfalls. It's just the background is blue and it mm-hmm. looks like waterfalls. But yeah, um, so he has this deep appreciation for our art and culture and what makes us humans. And he's obsessed with that, but he kind of like deep, doesn't value his own stuff. really. How old do you think Spider is? I don't know. Like, do you think he was born in a time that was after the collapse? Oh, I mean, like, I think it would be interesting 
given a book that we'll talk about soon, I'm sure, uh, Achilles Weaves a Cocoon, I think it would be interesting to learn that Spider... So Spider was a part of the House of Wolves. We know that. And wolves were on Reese. They were like an original house. I don't know if we have any... I think Dusk was the first newly created house that we can confirm. Uh, Dusk and Light and Salvation. So, I mean, there's potential that that Spider is was there for the whirlwind. And I think it would be interesting to learn that he saw the actions of Elixni like, like the, like the one from Achilles weaves a cocoon and is like, wow, I don't like this system. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. He could be like rejecting his early, uh, fallen philosophies and trying to adopt a newer one. Yeah. And that's why he, he appreciates earth culture. He's like, yep, I like this place more. I like their culture more. I like everything about this more. I can I can be who I want in the reef. Yeah, plus he's also kind of a traitor in war, so he's grown up with that kind of like um that that I've got to adapt to survive. I've got to take whatever I can use and, and turn it into currency. Mm. Get what I want. And so he's kind of gotten this situation cuz he was the first they were the first fallen allies for us in the game. Mm-hmm. Technically yeah. Which another thing, which another thing that always kind of, <laughs> which another thing that was always really cool uh, back in the Forsaken campaign is when we first saw those fallen guys with the big spikes on their heads, mm-hmm. I immediately recognized their faceplates were the same as St. Fourteen's helmet. And <laughs> I thought, well, back then I was like, well, which came first? Was it St. Fourteen got that plate from a fallen he headbutted and put it on his own helmet? Or huh. was it they are trying to look like Saint, but in a spiky way? Well, I mean, it would make sense if they wanted to look like Saint because there is um, graffiti in the style of Saint Fourteen that, and like, that's a that, yeah, that's a part of like a like, fallen culture now. It's like that yeah. it wards off evil, things like that. Like, it's an imposing figure, and so I mean, I could absolutely see Spider using that to his advantage. Yeah. So the newest lore teaches us how they were telling the fallen babies. <laughs> their uh <laughs> yeah bedtime stories about saint 14 <laughs> oh man all right well i think we have time for uh one more entry that we can go through do you have any uh particular standout favorites uh i mean i really just like them all and i could yeah. do this all day but no i mean i would rather give the four to you you could pick out the ones you like the most okay uh, I just really like that all the future war cults got lore entries now. That that's it's always I mean. exciting to see like old old weapons come back, but they come back with lore because then it's like I don't even care. Like I'm just so excited now. We have lore now. This is amazing. <laughs> well, it even gives their uh, original naming and architecture uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, like purpose, like what what they meant a little bit more can now be ascribed to a new a new world, a new uh, relationship that we're. we're that is evolved. Like just mm-hmm. for for instance, like the one you were talking about, deicide, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you think about that and apply it to the law, the the story that's happening now, and then another one like stochastic variable, which mm-hmm. at the time was just kind of like the explanation for trying to 
trying to prove a theory with basic random, you know, randomness. And if you think about an SMG and how you just randomly shoot it, what's in front of you, hoping you hit the target eventually. <laughs> Is that it how you funny. use SMGs? I usually yeah. aim them. I don't, I don't randomly shoot them. Well, the kick on that gun was so bad. <laughs> Is it? You really couldn't control where the bullets were going. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was like a 900 RPM, wasn't it? Yeah, it was horrible. It might be better now. I think you yeah. can get it with that old phase, old phase correction part mm. or whatever, whatever it's called, where it shoots slower and harder. Well, let me uh, let me ask you uh, for before we get into our next entry, were you a fan of the? Uh, Crow and Amanda ship, and I, I mean, uh, by ship, I mean the uh, lesser known relationship usage of that word. <laughs> See, I'm glad you defined that because anytime somebody says ship, my immediate thought is like a ship that you fly in the game, mm. and uh, well, I could never think about relationships yeah. first, but yeah, so in yeah, the I chosen- actually. I actually just learned that ship can be used in that way because, in, in my experience, it's much more common that when you when you say "I would ship them" using two people, it's yeah. it's proposing the idea of two people playing a game of battleships, and so it, it was like mind blown for me when I was saying I'd ship them, and people were like, "Really? Those two have no chemistry?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but they'd be great in battleships. Like, what are you talking about? What does it matter? What does their great. chemistry matter? Like, yeah, it's great." <laughs> Well, so. in the chosen, there was dialogue, and yeah. Crow and Amanda speaking at the end of one of the lines, and it's like, "Oh, Crow is like you want to get a drink at the end of it all." And yeah, it's radio silence. But basically, you can <laughs> you can hear it in Amanda's voice before that. Yeah, we should probably go get a drink together somewhere. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I mean, I like them together. I think I think I like seeing Amanda get getting more screen time and everything, and I like Crow, and I think he's neat and. It is kind of silly because it's it's almost like ah oh, yes yeah, so the first girl you talk to you're just gonna be like yeah let's go out <laughs> unless unless you play as a, a girl uh, I don't play as a girl I play as a male so uh I guess technically he, he his first uh consistent talking to partner is dependent on how the, the character plays but either way uh well, there's a new entry. Sorry, but real quick, real quick, just to kind of set this up. So we've heard Amanda say some pretty um, borderline judgmental things in the Chosen, right? When she's having dialogue with other things, other people, where she's basically like, you know, I wouldn't let them get near me or my house or my people, or you know, she's kind of like got this whole. And then you hear the crow with this uh, opposite line mm-hmm. of dialogue where it's kind of like well if you've never sat with them you don't understand their stories and stuff like that and so it's kind of like uh two like opposites attract mm-hmm. is what i'm gonna say mm-hmm. so it's kind of like you got one guy who's like trying to be like hey you know there's they're gonna be okay you just gotta get to know them and then you got a man over here like nah forget that <laughs> they're, they're bad and then, uh, as I said in in that uh, that entry before, where Crow sent everything. I mean, Crow being Aldrin is pretty common knowledge now, right? Like, right. do you think it's everyone knows it, or do you think Zavala is still keeping it under wraps? Uh, I, you know, I'm pretty much gonna say that everybody knows it at this point. I don't think news is very slow in in 
yeah in the universe because i know he's laying low he's he's told like just lay low and it sounds like you only tell someone to lay low if everyone's like crow's aldrin right like it doesn't make sense otherwise but uh so at the end of that entry she's like he might not be a good artist but he's an all right guy because he just stole a whole bunch of crap from spider and sent it as a shipment from spider to go unnoticed and to like you know try to help the elixni uh transition to living in the city so it's like she even though he was aldrin in his past life, Amanda's like, yeah, he's not Aldrin now, though. He is Crow now. And she's, like, understanding that. And so I do like them together. But there's a new entry on a Sparrow called Reese Racer. And I don't... <laughs> I like this uh, this ship, again, relationship. Uh, this ship much more... You know, also also battleship, uh, both both senses of the word ship. I like this more than Amanda and Crow. Um, and so, it, Amanda Holiday is working on a sparrow, and working with her or next to her is an Elixni engineer called Neek. And so, uh, Neek is a, a vandal, and they they're you know they're just like kind of working side by side and like talking about how Neek says how, like, or Amanda says how Neek is more accurate or better at welding because she has four hands. And Neek's like, yeah, we have better eyes too, so we're making more precise. <laughs> Which we, nobody's wearing protective gear still to this day, not even the phone. No, they're not. welding. I mean, maybe, well, they're arc welders, right? Maybe that's different. Maybe you don't need protective gear like you did. Rubbing her cheek as a spark bounced off of it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Wear fucking glasses. You're gonna go blind. Uh, no, Amanda has goggles, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, but she wears them around her neck. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, either way. Yeah, and apparently... she have goggles? Why is she the only one? I never thought about that. Why is she the only one that has goggles? And then she wears them around the neck. Hmm. Everybody else gets that tiny little um, Game Boy screen in front of their little handheld welding machine <laughs> to protect it. Yeah. But, you know, so she's like, I always wondered how y'all built, built stuff so fast. And the Elixir engineer, Neek, winked three eyes in Amanda's direction before returning her attention to the welding work. Easy to see, too. No eye shields, meaning eyelids. Uh, no eye shields, Neek explained with a smile. Wait. No eye shields, meaning no eyelids. That doesn't make sense. How would you wink without eyelids? So maybe you're... Is that what you meant by they're not wearing protective equipment? Yeah. So yeah, you're right then. Because they don't have to wear goggles. Amanda does. Elixir don't. Elixir eyes quick, better than human, then quieter. Not as much as before home, but... And so, you know, Amanda's like actually bonding with Neek here. And she's like, what do you mean? And and Neek uh, says, story lives greater than now true selves. Neek explained, then looked sidelong at Amanda. We lo all lost purpose after Neek carefully considered the proper human words, our golden age. So Neek saying before the whirlwind, the elixir used to be even better at like everything they did, you know, because it, it just kind of knocked them down. And 
It was Amanda's turn to sigh, more and more so in regret than Neek's sigh of patience. You ever ridden a sparrow before, she asked, in an attempt to change the tone of the conversation. She hadn't considered the question before asking it, and Neek <laughs> shook her head and focused her attention on the half-finished machine in front of her. Too small, she said with a shrug of her upper shoulders. Pike's stronger, but run quick. Amanda couldn't help but laugh at that. Darlin', she said through the laughter, ain't no pike faster than my sparrow. Neek's eyes lit up. She sat forward and at the perceived challenge. Amanda remembered the last radio conversation she had with Crow, an elixny phrase he used, a friendly challenge. Her pronunciation was not quite right, but the information was. Neek delighted at the interaction. Your boasts are hollow whole, Neek said with a growl of laughter and clambered up onto one knee. Amanda's eyes widened for just a moment when it looked like Neek was going to pounce on her, as if she had somehow said the wrong phrase or challenged the Vandal and or challenged the Vandal to a duel. No weapons were drawn, however. Instead, Neek offered two hands to help Amanda up from the floor. She was pulled up with ease. Are we gonna Race? she asked with nervous flutter of laughter and a crooked smile. Neek nodded enthusiastically. Yes, race. Like, there is much more tension in this relationship than everything between Amanda and Crow. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is just like blatant that that they have a thing for each other. Or that that a thing for each other is growing. Yeah, and I would I would probably hesitate to say like too much and get down and nasty, but like <laughs> I mean, it seemed like that wasn't gonna happen there. Well, I'm probably gonna say like okay, maybe there's like a limit to how much you know can go on between the two, and she probably recognizes that. But the well, I mean, under... Saint and Osiris are together, yeah. Yeah, but they're like the same. No, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless something changes <laughs> Atom- anatomically they can have a romantic relationship yeah and that's about the extent of that right potentially or just race just race each other and get off on that of satisfaction maybe. yeah they can they can have whatever type of relationship they want but it definitely <laughs> seems like they're gonna have a relationship yeah, and it, it almost true. feels like there's going to be like a love triangle sub story here between Crow and Crow and Neek fighting for Amanda, which is like such a weird turn for Destiny to take. They could race for her honor. <laughs> <laughs> and then SRL happens. That's how SRL comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. And then um, who the hell are they? The SRL guys. Um Oh, uh, Mar- Mark, uh, Marcus Wren? Marcus Wren and there's the other one. Both of them end up racing for Amanda as well. Not because they actually have any interest in Amanda. It's because they see a race going on. <laughs> <laughs> they just further complicate things for the sake of racing. Yeah. The sparrow is pretty cool, though. It's all uh, fallen looking. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting looking sparrow. But I... Yeah. I I tweeted after I read it after I read um readed wow after I read the three entries before of what happened to the the light drek um it's kind of Amanda's fault cuz she said some swear words and they were like what does that mean instead of saying yeah don't worry about it or anything like that she's like it means very nice person and so they she sent them out with that knowledge, and I tweeted, Amanda, no! And uh, 
I forget who responded, but they were like, is this about that Amanda, uh, Elixney relationship entry? Cause if so, like you're wrong or something like that. And I was like, I, uh, the, uh, the what entry? Like I had not seen this yet. Yeah. And I went and found it and I, I really like them together. I think they, I think they have more chemistry than her and crow. Cause it, it's kind of like how you said it's, it's opposites attract or similarities attract, you know, they're both engineers and they're both going to have a racing, uh, affiliation after this entry. Yeah. You could get to know Reese a little bit better and then they have like this common Neek, I'm sorry, Neek a little bit better and they could have this common thing. Wait, did Nick Neek was that a name that was dropped way back when? Or is, am I thinking of something else? Anyway. Uh Reese is. I know Reese is. Nick Neek is only in this one entry. I thought it was Nick. I'm not sure if it's Nick or Neek. I call it Neek because I call it Reese. I don't call it Riss. So I assume the double I pronunciation carries through. Yeah, I was I was thinking that's why it started to Neek. And also, if you if you do call her if you do call her Neek, then you can make their couple name a Mandique. Because if you were to call her Nick, it is probably not a relationship name that you want. <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. Oh. It doesn't have to be a, a man, you know. Yeah, any. So, Vault of Glass is next week, isn't it? The 25th? Is it? I believe it is. So, our next show is going to be on the 30th. It's going to be after Vault of Glass. I'm going to try to get in Vault of Glass on the Saturday. Usually I can get uh, my clan together. We can we can get raids going and stuff like over the weekend. Yeah. So maybe there will be something new. Maybe there will be uh, new lore on items. There's definitely something new. Because wait a second. Fatebringer is definitely coming back. I haven't seen Fatebringer on Ishtar. So one of the items that's going to be dropping from Vault of Glass when it drops in its higher form the uh, flavor text change. That I'm just putting that out there. This vault of glass cache has a chance to award arms, chest, fate bringer, vision of confluence, and corrective measure. Mm, this vault of glass cache has a chance to award legs, helmet, found verdict, fate bringer, and hezen vengeance. So all those weapons don't have entries. And I can't imagine raid weapons coming in without entries. So maybe we, uh, you know, hopefully we can get those entries uh, either data mined or through Ishtar. And maybe next week we can talk about what the glass. I think so. Well, the, what are the, um, you know, there's the, uh, the higher version of Vault of glass weapons that drop. That will be when does the heroic drop? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or was it not heroic? They they did away with that. It's a uh, master now, I think. Master, yeah. Grandmaster, right? No, grandmaster's just the nightfall. Different. I don't know. They have too many words. Too many words. And too many words. <laughs> it used it used to be so easy in Destiny One. It was just like yes. Not only do I know, uh, the 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 concept of whatever the answer is, but I know the exact. Grimoire card 
your answer lies in. And I was able to say, you're looking for this grimoire card of people when they had a question. And now people are like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know if I dreamt this or if this is real, but here's an answer. <laughs> that's, that's a hope. Let's hope I'm right. Yeah. There's, there's like a 50% chance on this making shit up at this point now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least, because the last time we got some new stuff about any of that was way back in D1, in the um, Rise of Iron. Hmm. Pretty much the last time we heard anything about this we had, stuff. We had Vault of Glass stuff in Rise of Iron. I thought the last time we went into the Vault of Glass was in House of Wolves. Uh, we got... No, we got the Adept versions of oh yeah i mean adept versions those were those were the same they didn't actually come with anything new true it's not like they came with uh added lore it's true that that would be a different uh scenario because even the adept fate bringer says but where is your fate and who brings it to you Hmm. yeah hopefully Hopefully, between the two of us, if we can both get into raids, and between the the five other people in our raid team, we can get every weapons entry, and we can talk about it next week. Yeah, technically, it'll be out there for us to speak upon. Yeah. Uh, Our next show is going to be on the 30th. You're good with that, right? Yeah. Okay, so on the 30th, and we are going to potentially be talking about Vault of Glass. Uh, We will announce the topic uh on the friday before the 28th we'll try to announce it then uh to be sure and uh it'll be at 9 15 a.m on sunday like it always is and if you want to find more of us it's on the bottom now so beneath me here loose cannon show at loose cannon show on twitter go there and uh you can follow us for all that information anything else to say no that's good keep it going all right bye everybody